I'm just not a Christian anymore. And it feels really good. I'm really happy. Words written by a man by the name of Paul Maxwell, who was an author, a writer, for a site that does devotions called Desiring God. Joshua Harris, who also is an author and a best-selling author in the Christian world, who wrote a book a few years ago that was titled, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, has declared, I am no longer a Christian. A former Hillsong singer and writer of some of the Hillsong songs posted on Instagram, Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. In a recent study, 26% of Americans now self-identify as religiously unaffiliated, up from 17% just 10 years ago. Millennials are defecting from organized religion at significantly higher rates than the older generations. And while the number of people who identify as atheists or agnostics has risen slightly, the largest category of those leaving is considered the nuns generation, which is the young, young kids, our youth, that age group. We can talk about a lot of reasons why people are walking away from being a Christian. We can list the abuse of people in the church, the abuse of power. We can discuss how people have not lived out their faith and they have, not, they have not carried the name of Christ well. We can talk about the irrelevancy of church. We can talk about the archaic way of looking at things that church may be. But I'm not here to talk about any reasons why people are not going to stay. I'm here today because God's laid on my heart about what we need to do to help those who are in the faith and those who need to be in the faith. I wrestled this week on what God wanted me to preach. Even after I sat down for hours and had an outline, I still wrestled with the message until last night. God made it very clear somebody needs a word of encouragement because maybe you've got a child, maybe you've got a spouse, maybe you've got someone in your family that you love very dearly that's walking away from the faith. Someone who is turning their back on the church, and when they turn their back on the church, you know what typically happens? They turn their back on Christ. But today we've got some hope. Because we're beginning a new series called Let Us Pray. So we're going to ask the question, what are we to do with people walking away from the faith, with the kids that are no longer in church, with those who do not see this as something relevant whatsoever? We're going to do it in the first and foremost place, and that is in prayer. One writer, I believe it was E.M. Bounds, that said, there is no greater work than that of prayer. Prayer is the great work that we must engage in. Worship is good. Preaching is good. Giving out food is good. Telling them about Jesus is good. But ladies and gentlemen, if we... Do not pray, there will be no power in what we do. 
Prayer isn't simply designed to change God's mind. It's designed to change us. Today we're going to dive into this series. We're going to dive into this scripture. And I wanted your mind to be upon those who are leaving the faith. Maybe it's because of persecution. Maybe it's because of a professor. Maybe it's because of a teacher. Maybe it's because of friends who are, who are talking about how ridiculous it is to be a Christian. Ladies and gentlemen, it's real. It's happening all around us. Christianity is no longer the place to find answers. Christianity is the place where the problems exist according to this world. But Mr. Dub knows, he's taught on this. It is not to be a surprise to any of us because the Word of God said there would be a great falling away. And that is taking place. Some may think, well, this is a new thing. This is something that's, that, that we're hearing more about. This is a growing trend. It's, it's, it's something new to the church. It is not new. For as we get into 1 Thessalonians, let me tell you a little background. 1 Thessalonians was like the Atlanta. It was a hub. It was, it was at that place where everybody was passing through, going to the Orient, going to Greece, going to Rome. It was like a hub center. And at that hub center was a whole bunch of people with a lot of different beliefs, with a lot of different ideas about worship, a lot of different ideas about God. And there was this group who were followers of Christ. It was a small church, not a big church. It wasn't a mega church, it was a little church. It was a church that was birthed by a man by the name of Paul, who as he came and he spoke in the synagogues three Saturdays in a row and he or Sundays and he shared about Jesus people who were Jews began to follow Christ people who were Gentiles who were worshiping other gods Zeus and Hercules Greek gods and those who were worshiping Caesar they began to follow Christ and so the church was birthed but even though their hearts had been changed and they had given their life to Christ the culture did not. So their friends still talked about different ways. Ways that seemed right to them. And so they encountered a lot of pressure. They also faced persecution. As believers, as Christians, they were being persecuted for their faith. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever felt persecuted? Have you ever felt attacked simply because of your faith in Christ? None of us this morning were afraid we'd lose our life for showing up at church. But yet, there are people around this world that this very day knew that they were putting their life and their family at risk for coming together with other believers to worship God. These people in Thessalonica, they, they were being persecuted. They were being pressured to leave the faith. But I want us to dive in because the very first thing we can see in verse 2 is something very beautiful by Paul. We often want to talk about the negative right up front. We want to talk about the problem. But I want us to look at verse 2 and see what Paul says first and foremost. After an introduction of who we are, he says, We give thanks to God. 
Let me encourage you today. We can see a lot of problems around us and a lot of problems in the church and a lot of problems in our society and in our culture. But Paul does not begin with a problem. He begins with a praise. Let me tell you, you want to see your heart change and the hearts of other people change? Start with praise instead of a problem. So he begins... With this prayer, we give thanks to God. He's letting, letting everybody know. Thank God for what? We give thanks to God always for some of you. Is that what your translation says? Somebody look and see what your tra- translation says. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. Because let's get real. There's some people in the church you don't want to be thankful for. Come on now. Let's be honest. You've come across those people in, in the church where you're going... Yeah, I'm not so thankful for that one. Nobody's going to say amen or owe me or anything on that, are you? You're you're scared because you're sitting next to that person, aren't you? You're afraid they're going to get the idea. No, Paul is saying we thank God when we pray and we remember you We always thank God for all of you. We thank God for all of you. They were continually thankful for all the people in the church. You know what that meant? Some of the people that didn't look like him, he was thankful for. Some of his critics that said he had no right to be an apostle, no right to be preaching, he was thankful for them too. He was thankful for those who were influencers and those who were not. He was thankful for the men, the women, the children. He was thankful for those that looked like a Jew and those who did not. He was thankful for all the people in the church. Now, if if we're honest, there have been times in many of our lives where we're going, you know, if that woman would just leave, we sure would be better off. If that man would just leave, we sure would be better off. Paul took the approach and simply said, We thank God continually for all the people. The saints, those who are there. Let me tell you, instead of talking about the problems with the people, let's be thankful for them first and foremost. That's what Paul does here. He begins with praise, not a problem. So when we go to God, if we want to address the issues in our country, in our nation, in our families, those who are walking away from the faith, let's thank God for those who are still in it. For those who are here this morning uh, joining us online. Those who are, are watching it on demand. Those who are listening to it going down the road. Those who are in this room that set aside time to come on Sunday morning who can get here. Let's be thankful for those first and foremost. Let's not make the focus those who don't come to church anymore. Let's begin with thanking God for all of you. Let me tell you something. I'm thankful for all of you. Man, I've missed you guys. I've I've told some people that when they come back, I'm going to do a dance. James Webb, I'm so glad you're back today. haven't seen you in a year. I'm just going to do a dance for a second. (laughs) Let me tell you something. It's good to see all of you people. We're thankful for that. We are very thankful and we praise God for all of you. But let's go on and look at some of the things he praised about and some of these things that can be prayed for. 
Because if we're going to address the issue going on in our families and in our communities and around our nation, we need to figure out how to pray that there will be a change. Because let me tell you something. You can pray, and you can pray generically. But when you pray what's in the Bible, you are praying the very essence of God's will for people's lives. So let's dive in. What are some praises and prayers? Now, when, we, when it comes to a praise, that's, that's like a thanksgiving. That is a characteristic that already exists among some people. And when we talk about prayers, that is like a characteristic that needs some encouragement or needs to exist. So understand, we're talking about both here. Praising God for all the people who are exhibiting these and praying for those who need some help in it. I'm going to fall into that second category because I'm not perfect. So, when we look at this, let's begin in verse 2, then we're going to get into verse 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. This is about praying. Verse 3, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith. Constantly bearing in mind. That is an ongoing thinking, an ongoing knowledge, something that I am very aware of your constant Bearing in mind your work of faith. Your work of faith. I would put it this way. It's the actions reflect a real faith in Jesus. These people, their actions, their words, what they did reflected a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's something to thank God for. For those who are living and trying their best to be like Jesus, let's thank God for them. But we have a few, don't we? who say that they are a Christian and a believer, but yet they don't wear Jesus well. They're not, they're not acting like Him. You know what you can pray? You can pray for their faith. That their faith and their works would match. I can stand here today and tell you all day long that I am a Porsche 911. And none of you are going to believe me that I'm a Porsche 911. Why? Because I don't look like no Porsche 911. Nor do I drink gas... And cost a lot of money to have insurance on. Now, wait a minute. I do have insurance on me. Just don't tell my wife. But I'm not a Porsche 911. Regardless of what I say, it is what I do and what I look like that dictates what I am. People can say that they are Christian and that they are born again, but if their works do not support what they say, then you need to pray for them, not condemn them. First thing we need to do is pray for their faith. That their works and their faith will match. That they won't say one thing and do another. See, they had this church had performed a great work of faith when they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. When they said, Paul, I hear you, I understand the gospel, and I'm following after it. That was a work of faith. We are going to be Christ followers. That was a work of faith. And he commends them for that. But then there were some that began to question. Verse 9 mentions that they had turned from idol worship to the true God. They had, they had put into action and practice what they said they believed. Randy, Dr. Randy Carlson said this, Our works and actions tell the truth of what we believe. 
If that statement is true, and I believe that it is, then is Christ replicated in everything? Let me say that again. Is Christ replicated in everything we say and do? If we truly believe and we are actually acting on what we say we believe, then Christ should be replicated in what we say and do. And I believe Paul is thanking the church here that, that he has heard about them and they're doing that. They are putting into action their, their, their faith. I saw people Wednesday putting into action their faith. But you know what else I saw? I saw some people who do not go to church and who do not believe fully in this whole Jesus thing working right alongside some of you. Let me tell you something, church. That's something to be thankful for. That you have people who are not fully followers of Christ, who are actually working alongside followers of Christ and meeting a need and seeing us wear Jesus well. That's when your actions are reflecting your faith. So Paul is giving thanks there, but we can be... This is something you can pray specifically for people. If you've got somebody who's struggling with their faith, then pray that their actions, their works, would come together with their faith, and their faith would grow. The second thing that we can see here in verse 3, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, here we go, and labor of love. How many of you have ever done labor? All right, how many of you have ever been in labor? Guys, you better put your hand down. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I have done a lot of labor in my life. I have worked hard. I have sweated. I have pushed myself to the limits to where I couldn't go anymore. But women, I take my hat off to you. I saw my wife give birth to our three kids naturally without medication. She gave birth to a 10-pound son in 20 minutes. That's not easy. That's a labor. That is, that is going through the, the pains, going through the suffering. A labor of love means that it's not always easy. Paul is saying, I thank God because of your labor of love. You're loving when it's hard to love. You're loving when you don't like the person you're looking at. You're loving when you think the person you're looking at is trying to take advantage of you. You still are loving. Ladies and gentlemen, what we like to do in America is to raise up those that look like us, act like us, believe like us, and talk like us. Let's just be real. And those that are different, let's leave them to themselves right over there. I'm going to love those that are like me. But those that are different, yeah, I'll give you a little quarter here or there. I'll, I'll help from a distance. But Paul was thanking this church for doing the hard things when it comes to love. A labor of love means that, that there were times that they served a living and true God more than they served themselves. That they loved their Savior more than feeling comfortable in loving someone else. I think somebody needs to hear this today. Your actions of love should never be defined by your feelings of comfort, but by your love to God. Your love for Jesus Christ should be the determining factor for what you do 
more than you feeling comfortable in loving the person. Because here's what happens. When you do that, you are loving like Christ loved you. Because when you were a sinner in a mess and you deserved no mercy or grace, Jesus stepped up and said, I'll die for that person. When he knew you would be an absolute disaster at times, Jesus said, you're worth it. He stepped up. So when we find ourselves in that moment where love becomes a labor, we are actually reflecting Christ. And what Paul is pointing to here, I don't want you to miss this, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mentioning of you in our prayers, a const, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love. It's all centered on Jesus, not on the people. Chuck Swindoll said this, he said, My order of priorities reflect the level of my commitment to Christ. Whoever or whatever is in first place, if it isn't the Lord Jesus, they're in the wrong place. Sometimes it's us. We love ourselves more than we love Christ. Sometimes we love our families more than we love Christ. Sometimes we love the lake. Sometimes we love... Hey, I went fishing Friday and boy did I have a great time. Eddie, you know what we caught? A little small brim and a great big old carp. But we had so much fun. But I can tell you one thing. I'm enjoying being here in this place much more than I'd enjoy being at the lake. Now, it's fun to do stuff. I'm, I might be stepping on somebody's toes right now. This is what God's called me to do. Listen, being together with God's people reflects the priority of Christ in your life. When there are other things that become an excuse for not joining together, then that excuse has taken the place of Christ being first. Well, preacher, I thought I can be a Christian and not have to go to church. Yeah, sure, you can. But do you understand that if you do not, you are absolutely not following the Bible. And if you believe this is what we need to do, in Hebrews it says, fail not to join together the assembling of yourselves. Paul, we're going to see in a prayer later where he was longing to be with these people. When we put Christ first, the love of God's people is elevated and we can't wait to be with them. But here Paul is pointing to the labor of love. That is, man, when it sure is pretty outside and you got a day off, and gosh, it sure would be nice to just sleep in and have a great time. You go, no, Christ is first. See, we have worn Jesus so badly, people don't want to wear Him. So today, as we look at this, Paul is thanking God for the first two things. Their faith, second, their love, their labor of love, their work of love. That sometimes is difficult. But thirdly, let's look at verse 3. A constant bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love. And third, a steadfastness or perseverance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. In other words, what Paul is pointing to here, he is pointing to a patient endurance, patiently enduring and keeping hope in Jesus. 
Not keeping hope in a, an organization. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the church is not first an organization, it's an organism. It's made up of people, men and women, that have different backgrounds, different hurts, different pains, different thoughts, different ideas. And that all comes together. And it is a working and breathing and moving organism first before it's an organization. And Paul understood that it is these people that make up the church and they were patiently enduring and having hope in not the organization, but in the person that founded and was the rock of the church, and that was Jesus. See, the church has gotten too far away from what really makes it the church. What makes it the church is Jesus Christ, first and foremost, and second is the people of Christ. That's what makes the church. And then there is a message and a mission that we must follow. But Paul is being thankful for their faith, their love, and their hope. Charles Spurgeon said, There are times when God asks nothing of us, His children, except silence, patience, and tears. This church was enduring difficult times. Just as you endure difficult times. Just as those who are walking away from Christianity and faith. But what I like about what Charles Spurgeon said is that being a Christian does not mean we're absent from that. We have to deal with that. And sometimes God needs us to just be patient and to endure. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but what I really love about this is this. Let's break it down, make it real easy so you know how to pray for people. Let's break it down to three words. Pray for their faith. Somebody say faith. Pray for their love. Somebody say love. And somebody say, hope, hope. Yes. Pray for their faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for their love for Jesus Christ and their hope in Jesus Christ. Those are three simple things to be praying. For the one that seems to be straying, for the one that seems to have walked away. These are three virtues that are so important. Some of you have already thought of a verse. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Here, Paul is praying about these three things. He's thanking God for that in the church. He's praying for that to increase in the church. And I'm here to tell you this week, I'm going to be praying for you as God brings your, your name to, to my memory and as I try to remember who all was here today and all the faces that I see this week, I'm going to be praying for three things for you. Your faith in Christ, your love for Christ, and your hope in Christ. See, they exercised saving faith in Christ, which happened in the past. They acted with action to show that they loved Christ, which was happening in the present. But then they had something that helped them go into tomorrow, and the next week, and the next month, and that was their hope in Christ. See, when we are praying for people about their faith in Christ, that they come to know Jesus, that that faith grows and they stick with it and it's strong, then we can pray about their love of Christ, which turns into actions in their life. They begin to change what they look at, what they say, what they do, where they go, how they act. And then when we begin to pray about their hope in Christ, we're praying about their tomorrow so that they will have their head up high to say, I have hope in tomorrow even though today may be a mess. 
So this is a great biblical prayer to be praying for people. So what must I do? Well, I believe there's just a couple of things. And we can get it straight from this scripture. Verse number 2 says, We give thanks to God always for all of you. The very first thing, this is going to be easy. You may not even have to write this down, but you can. You can put it in the notes. That's there with the bulletin if you want. But thank God for everyone. Oh, did I have to put that in there? Thank God for everyone in the church. You mean, Pastor, I have to be thankful for everyone, even those that aren't very nice? Yes! You mean i got to be thankful for those that don't see things the way I do? Yes! Be thankful. That's what Paul was. He was thankful. We need to be thankful for one another. So this week, I encourage you, be thankful for everyone in the church. The second thing is this. What was he doing in verse 3? He says in in verse 2, We give thanks to God always for all of you making mentioning of you in our prayers. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the presence of God the Father. Second thing is this. Pray for people. Pray for people. There are people who come to church who are lost, who, who are unsure of their salvation. There are people probably right now in this room who's struggling with their faith. Dare I say there may be some that's watching, listening, who's listening to this, and you would say, yeah, I'm struggling with this whole Christianity thing and faith in Christ. I grew up in it, I grew up around it, but I just don't know. I'm struggling. We need to pray for them. I hear stories of children walking away from the faith. Stories of spouses walking away from the faith. Stories of people that I served Christ right next to in ministry walking away from the faith. When I looked at them, I would have thought they were as rock solid as rock solid could be. And yet, I find out years later, they've simply walked away from the faith. We can discuss the reasons why all day long and have a long discussion. But today, the point of this message is, let's stop talking about it and let's start praying for God to move in the hearts of people. Let's begin to pray for your neighbor, for your family. Pray for people that their faith may be rock solid. Paul prays in Ephesians. He he actually prays a prayer and he says that their roots would go deep in Ephesians chapter 3 and their foundation be sure. He's praying about their faith. That they'd hold on to it because he knew they would need that for hope. Do not take for granted anyone that you know that they're fine with their faith. Pray for their faith. Pray for their love for Christ, that it will increase, that everything they do will be for Him, that they will fall so madly and passionately in love with Jesus that that's all they can think about. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're around someone who loves the Lord so much they can't get enough of Him, you're around somebody with great character, great influence, 
somebody that people will look at and go, wow, that person's different. And pray for the hope of people. People need hope today. And I am absolutely convinced the only hope that will be everlasting, that will last through the trials and the tribulations and the pandemics and, and, and the fears is the hope we can only find in Jesus. So what must you do? Thank God for everyone in the church, even those you don't like, and pray for people in the church. So here's the challenge this week. Here's the challenge. If you're up for it, I want you to pick somebody. And maybe you pick a different person every day. I would request you put my name on your list. I don't want you to pray for my help. I don't want you to pray for my finances. I don't want you to pray for much of anything except for those three things. Pray for my faith in Jesus. Pray for my love for Jesus. And pray for my hope that I find in Jesus. Because as that grows and as that gets stronger, I guarantee you my life will be impacted and transformed. So your seven-day challenge is to pick someone specific every day and pray these three things for them. Pray for their faith, their love, and their hope that's only found in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's somebody that don't go to this church that may be lost. Hey, if you don't have somebody lost to pray for, why don't you stop by the board over here to my left that is filled up with names of people who need to know Jesus. You know something I noticed? It's not just an adult thing, Larry. Here's what's beautiful. Teenagers have put their friends' names over there. My niece who was here last week, she put her brother's name on him. I didn't know it till this week when I'm standing over there looking. And I'm going, oh, wow. It matters. If you need somebody to pray for, stop by. There's a thing you can jot down a name. If you need someone to pray for and you don't know someone who's lost, pray for those people on that board so that we can start writing on there, saved in big red, a big red marker. Because, I, ladies and gentlemen, the music we do, the color in the room, the beauty of our church does not matter if we remove the gospel of Jesus Christ and we remove that people need to have the hope of Jesus. They need to come to saving knowledge of Jesus. That's what the church is about. So let's pray this week, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for our neighbors and let's pray for the lost. Larry, Gina, if you'll come on. Father, we just thank you for your word the hope that it can bring us. Lord, I thank you for the struggle. I thank you for the struggle of your word sometimes, of looking into it, seeing what is there. Lord, I wish we did not have to have a discussion or even talk about those walking away from the faith or walking away from the church. But Lord, the research is out there. There's lots of people doing it. Father, may this be a place where they'll know about faith in Jesus Christ and the difference that it will have. Let this be a place where they can see the love of Christ that we have, that in our actions and in our words, that our love and our faith are connected. And Lord, that they see that in the midst of all the mess, they see that we have hope. 
And let them ask, how and where does that come from? And let us declare, it comes from the Lord. Father, today, if there is someone that does not know you, or they're struggling with their faith, maybe, maybe they've got questions. Father, I'm not going to condemn anyone that's got questions. I'm just going to send them to you. Lord, help them find the answers. Draw them, lead them, guide them, that their faith may be strong and firmly planted in you. Lord, let them at this very moment declare, because of your conviction in their heart, God, forgive me and take over my life. Let them not measure their salvation based on the actions of others in the church but based only on you. So right now, Father, if someone is under conviction, Father, may they ask you to take over their life and forgive them. We praise God for the one that got saved last week online. Lord, thank you for that. Right now, it can happen again online or in this room if they'll just simply ask you to forgive them and take over their life. Lord, for those of us who are believers, Today, maybe we have thought of someone who has walked away from the faith, someone struggling in the faith, someone who doesn't see it as important anymore. God, remind us every day to be praying for them and praying for one another, for our faith, for our love, and for our hope that we have in you. Lord, we pray these things in the beautiful name of Christ. Amen. This morning.